do time again. So we've learned some different things over the past three, four, five weeks. All right, I've reviewed you the last couple of weeks. Let's see if we can remember some of those things. What are some of the things we've learned? There were three things we learned like two or three weeks ago. Be thankful, rejoice, and trust God. All right, then the next week we learned two more things. God wants to change your heart, not just your behavior. And sin is not, remember that one? An accident, right? It's a series of choices that leads us down a path, remember? And last week, what, what did we have last week? You, I've heard this one this morning a few times. Okay. And slow to anger, right? I've heard him say that one several times this morning already. Yeah. All right. So there's our list of those are things. We'll keep reviewing those, so don't forget them. Those are all little nuggets that we've learned in this thing, right? If we can all learn these little things as we go through this book and keep these things in context of what we're looking at, they can change our life, right? They can change our heart. All right. So now we are going to be in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And I know you can't read that. I know that. I can't read that from up here. So, so we'll go to God's Word, and then we can all read it together, right? So we're almost done with chapter 1. So starting in verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom, and perseveres in it, and is not forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed. In what he does. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for allowing us to come before you, Father, and learn who we are. Father, we thank you for giving these, these wonderful nuggets of wisdom through James, Father. You give him so much wisdom, and, and now it's passing along to us. And I pray that as we study it, we just learn more and more about who you are through his, his writings. Father, we just praise you and love you. In your heavenly name, amen. All right, so that first verse, James 1.23, says, Be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourself. Okay? So be hearers, be doers and not just hearers, right? This is something we've kind of talked about before in this chapter. We've kind of led to this, and I think I've even referenced some of this as we've gone through these last few weeks. It's not enough just to hear what God's telling us, but we have to be doers of what he tells us to do. That's, that can be the hard part. It's easy to listen. It's harder to do sometimes. And uh, my kids, we have to check. Are you listening when I'm talking to you? Are you listening? Okay, now go do it. Right? It's not enough to say, yes, I heard you, if they don't go do it. Right? It's deceiving if they just say, yeah, I heard you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hear. You said this. You said, go clean my room. Okay. Now go do it. Right? That's what God tells us. I'm telling you something. Are you listening? I'm telling you. 
Now go do it. And we got to get caught up on the not doing part sometimes. We're good to listen, but we're not good to do sometimes. So I saw this as a call to action. Okay, it's a call to action. It's a call to study God's word. It's a call to prepare to go do something. And then it's a call to serve. So we've got a three-step process. It's a call to study. So we're going to read God's word. We're going to listen to what God's saying. And then it's a call to prepare to go do it. And then it's a call to actually go do it. Uh, if we forget one of those steps, we're probably going to be hurting, right? We're not going to get, we're going to have something wrong. We can't just jump straight to the action. We have to study God's word and be prepared to go do what he wants us to do through his wisdom. So we can't just skip over those. But the ending thing is we have to actually call and go, be called to go do it and to actually do it. To be the doer, not just the hearer. So that can be a tough time. I think we can get, we're good to study, I think. I, I know I'm good to read and think about things, but there's times when I stop there and I don't let the next step happen in my life. And I think we can all find fall apart there and we all do that a lot in many different ways. Um, and it's, it's hard. I know as a teacher, I stand up and I, I have a lot of hearers in my classroom. They all hear what I'm saying. They repeat what I'm saying. They've even copied it down. And then I said, do your homework. And I have a lot of hearers in my classroom. <laughs> They're not doers. Right? And with math especially, I've learned a long time ago, you can't watch somebody do it and learn how to do it. You have to be a doer of math to be able to do math. And there's a lot of people that just think they can listen and it's okay and they, they'll be okay. But if they're not doing it, practicing it, putting it into their life and their application, it doesn't work. And that's the way it is with Christianity. If we just listen and watch other people do things, we never learn the faith that God gives us. We never get that testing of those trials that we just were going through those memory verses, right? We never get that. We never build that endurance because we've never stepped that next step past the studying. We've never prepared and then served. We've just stopped. Alright, right, so what if we only hear what we are called to do and choose not to act? It's the same as not listening, right? To just hear and not do, it's the same as not listening. We'd all tell our kids that. We'd, we'd say, I heard you, but they didn't do it. They're not listening. They're not obeying. Just, they go together. Um... God wants action. He wants to change our hearts to be more like him. Right? He wants our hearts to be changed, not just our behavior. He wants that action. But not because just the action, but he wants our heart to be changed along with it. Going to verse 1, um, 23 through 24. It says, Because if anyone is a hearer of the word, he is like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. So I talked about this a few weeks ago on Somebody go to the mirror and they see some, a smudge on their face or their hair messed up and they just walk away and don't change it, right? And I said, that's a crazy thing to do. But that's what, God, that's what we do with God's Word sometimes. We read it and we see something that we don't like about ourselves. We close our Bible, we walk away, and we forget what kind of person we are according to God's Word. That's so easy to do. Especially, you know, you know, we just kind of let, let daily lives take over what we do. We just forget to reflect upon what God said. And that's kind of what this is talking about. 
So there's a couple of passages here I want to look at as we look in the Old Testament, New Testament about men who saw a reflection of who they were. And let's see what they did. So our first one is in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read, read a good chapter. Just like, just like when we're singing this one, we're going to jump around a little bit, but that's okay. This is by a passage everybody's heard and has understood. So starting in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne. His robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. Each, had six, each one had six wings. And with two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices. The temple was filled with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, because, of my, because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one seraphim flew at me, and his hand was glowing coal, and taken from the altar with tongues. He touched my mouth, and with it said, Now this has touched your lips. Your wickedness is removed, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who should I send? Who should go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. So when Isaiah saw the Lord on his throne, he saw something about himself. He said, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. I am a sinner. I am not worthy to stand here in front of this God. I am worthless. I am nothing. He saw that reflection in his life. He saw there's something about me that needs to change. My heart is not right. My actions are not right. I need to change. And he just crying out, an angel came over and put the coal on his lips and said, you are clean now. His life was changed. And when God said, who, who will I send? Who will go for me? Now Isaiah's response was, I'll go. I'll go tell people what you want me to tell them. So he saw something in that mirror, that reflection he didn't like, but God changed it for him. He couldn't change that himself. He couldn't change the uncleanliness of himself, but God could. God, God sent the angel to clean his lips, to change his heart. All right, let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 12. Another fun chapter. We've, we've all heard this story before. And so this is coming after David and Bathsheba. Right, David had had seen Bathsheba bathing up to the top. He called her, called her to the palace, did the stuff he wasn't supposed to do, did, did ungodly things with her, and got her pregnant, then sent her husband off to battle to die and killed her, killed, got her husband killed, so basically murdered her husband in order to cover up his sin. And so Nathan is now going to talk to David, who's, who's David's advisor. And so starting verse 1, it says, So the Lord sent Nathan to David, when he arrived, he said to him, There were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up, living with him and his children. 
It shared his meager food, drank from his cup. It slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came, came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. David was infuriated with the man, said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. Because he has done this thing and shown no pity, he must pay four lambs for that lamb. Nathan replied to David, You are that man. This is what the Lord of God, Lord God of Israel says, I anoint you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you, and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah, and if that was not enough, I would have given you even more. Why then have you disposed the command of the Lord by doing what I consider evil? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife as your own wife. You murdered him with the Amorite sword. Now therefore the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took your wife, took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own wife. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on you from your own family. I will take your wives and give them to another before your very eyes. You will sleep with them in public. You will sleep with them publicly. You acted in secret. But I will do this before all Israel and in broad daylight. David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Then Nathan replied to David, The Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. However, because you treated the Lord with such contempt in this matter, the son born to you will die. And then Nathan went home. So again, David did not, didn't really understand the depths of his mistake that he had done until it was presented in a story by Nathan. And then infuriating when it thought of that happening to somebody else, but when it was told to him that that was him, his reaction was, I have sinned against the Lord. He admitted to that, like, God, I have sinned against you. His heart had to be changed in that manner. He was perfectly happy living his own, own way, right? And doing his own thing until it was presented to him that he had sinned. Nathan was that mirror for David. Now David could have just said, eh, it's okay. Nobody's going to know. Nobody else knows and walked away. But instead he took that reflection of who he was through God's eyes and said, I have sinned against the Lord. Not that he hurt one person, but he sinned against God in this manner. And that's what was important. And so he repented with that sin. And he lived with the consequences of it later on. He repented of what he'd done. And there's several psalms that deal with his singing of praising God in the midst of the struggle that he had just dealt with. Let's look at one more, one more story. Acts chapter 5. Story of Ananias and Sapphira. Starting in verse 1, it says, But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. However, he kept it back, kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge, and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said to Ananias, Why is the spirit, Satan fills your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back the proceeds of your field? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after his soul, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you plan this very thing in the heart? when you have not lied to men, but to God. 
When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and with great fear came on all who had heard. The young man got up, wrapped his body, and carried him out and buried him. There was an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, why did you sell the field for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. And Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly she dropped dead at his feet, and when the young men came in, they found her dead, carrying her out, burying her, and buried her beside her husband. And then great fear came upon the whole church and all who had heard these things. So here, it's a little bit different. But they were presented with their sin, and they didn't immediately turn to repentance, right? Their hearts were hardened to what they'd done. They were like, they really don't know what I sold the land for. There's no way they really know. They thought they could continue hiding it. Their hearts didn't repent immediately towards God. They didn't say, I've sinned, I've done something wrong. So we're presented with that mirror. They chose to deceive themselves and look away, walk away from that mirror and just keep the, keep the lie going. And so for them, it cost them their lives. So we see three different stories with a couple of different reactions, right? We see people who looked at that mirror and saw this is a sin in my life and I need to change. Or we saw the people saying, I'm going to keep it going. I'm no, they're not going to know the real difference. And there's many other stories in the Bible where we can see that, where we can see where people are presented with who they are and they had a choice to make. Am I going to change to be more godly? Am I going to change my heart to follow God? Or am I just going to keep doing what I do and pretend like I'm just doing the right things? I'm going to keep walking the right behavior like Ananias and Sapphira did. They, they looked good to people, right? They brought the money and they put it, put it at the apostles' feet like everyone else was doing. They looked good. Their behavior was right. But in their heart, they were sinning against God. And they knew that. But rather than repenting of that sin, they wanted to keep the lie going. They didn't want people to know. So God points out changes in our lives. He tells us what changes we need to make as we read his word, as we talk with other people. He lets us know what, where we're failing at, where we're faltering at in his love, and what we're doing wrong. You know, it's not easy to look and see what we need. It is easy to look and see what other people need, right? We can all say, we all look at somebody and say, that person needs to change their life. They're not following what God wants them to do. And it's easy to criticize and point them out. Because we, we like to be other people's mirrors, right? But we don't like looking in the mirror back at ourselves. The hard thing is i got seven mirrors at home that, that reflect what I do. Those, those little kids will reflect the actions you make, right? Things you do wrong, they're probably going to do the same things. And you go, I don't like that. Neither does God. God doesn't like it when you do it either. And so he reflects that upon us. And so it's very easy to look at what other people are doing and say, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing that. God doesn't like that. But do we do that in our own lives? Do we, do we look in the mirror as we read God's word and say, you know what? God probably doesn't like that I do this action. 
doesn't like the way I feel about people or act towards people. He doesn't like the different things I do on the weekends or during the week because my heart's not right. So we have to ask, what is God telling us today? What is he telling each of us individually today to change in our life? As we read God's word, there's something we can ask every morning as we read God's word or throughout the day. What is God telling me today? What do I need to change? Because there's always going to be something that we need to change, even if we just change everything. If we change it every day, there's still going to be something new the next day that God's going to, you know what? There's still this part of you that I need you to change. The next thing we look at is, what does God tell us about the church? What does the church need to do to change? Both the local church and the global church. What do we need to change to be more Christ-like and to be more biblical? And I think we can lose track of that sometimes. And we think of it just like our own individual life. We can think the church is about us. So what can we do to make the church more biblical? What can God call us to do and change in our church to make us follow him more? And then do we see our flaws and seek to change them? Or do we just ignore them and go on with life? So when you, when you see something, God tells you something's wrong and something you change, do you seek to change it? Or do you just say, I'm going to go on? I've made it this long, and I've been doing pretty good. I don't need to change that now. Or do we say, you know what? I think God knows more than I do, and I think I do need to change what he wants me to it might be hard. It might be something we've done for years that God wants to stop doing. But God wants but God will do it and he'll bless us for doing so. Alright, and then the last verse, James 1.25. Says, But the one who looks intently into the into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. So how can we look at God's love and not just be a, and not be a doer? How can you look into what God did for you and not want to work for Him and serve Him and do what He do what He asked? When we think about what He did for each of us, God sent His Son so that we can have life. He didn't have to do that. He could have kept it a, a deal. A, law of rules and that we have to follow and if we make a mistake we, ought, we go to hell right he could have left it that way he could have made it harder on us but he chose through his love to let Jesus be a doer for us I mean imagine if Jesus had just been a hearer where would we be at today Me and my wife were talking. We don't think it was that easy for Jesus to, to be a doer. When we were in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying, if there was any other way, take this cup from me. He knew the pain that was coming. But he also knew that God told him to do something. And he was obedient. And the Philippians said he was obedient even unto death, death on a cross. When we're listening for God's voice, we must be prepared to make a change. So as we're, as we're reading God's word, are we prepared to change? Are we looking for a change that God wants us to make? 
or are we just reading to read? Are we going to God's Word saying, God, change my life with expectations that He's going to give you something and that you're going to actually do it? I worry at times that we read the Bible to find cool facts and the cool historical things, which those are great. Both the Bible's more than a historical fact book. It's a way to change your life. It's a living, a living word. Um, as we read it, God's going to point out new things. We can read the same chapters over and over again. We were talking about that this morning. How God can, how God can take something that we've read a hundred times and breathe brand new life into our lives because that's what's meaningful for us at that moment. And God's calling us to repent of our prideful and evil ways and to seek his mercy and grace. He calls us to look in that perfect law, that perfect freedom that he's giving us, which is his mercy and grace, and to repent just like David did, just like Isaiah did, to repent of those evil things that we do and seek his mercy and grace for forgiveness. And that's something that has to be done daily. It's... Even, even when we've been, once we've been saved, we still make mistakes. We still follow that series of bad choices that leads to sin. We still choose to do evil in the sight of God. So we still need to repent from that. God's love is still there for us. His mercy is still there for us. But as we draw away because of our series of choices, if we don't, quit, if we don't turn back to Him, as we talked a few weeks ago, it's going to draw us away from him. It's going to draw our love for him away. And we're going to build a wall between us and him. So we must repent of those evil ways and turn away from them. So as we get ready to close, we want to go back and review the, the good things that we've learned. All right? So we have our list. Oh, maybe not. I, that slideshow got messed up. I'll read them to you, right? Be thankful. Right? God loves us. He's given us a lot of things, things we don't deserve, so we can be thankful for everything in our lives. Rejoice because he, he sent his son to die for us that we can be his children, that we can be adopted into him. Trust God that he'll take care of all our needs when we're following him. Sin's not an accident. It's a series of choices that we make. And God wants our heart to change, not just our behavior. We need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger when we're dealing with people. God's that way with us, right? He's, slow to, he's quick to listen to us, slow to speak at us, and thankfully slow to anger. And for the last thing, the important nugget for the day, be a doer, not a hearer. Okay? Hearing is important, but doing and following up on what God wants you to do is where life changes, where our hearts change, not just our behavior. It's easy to change and do things that we think are the right thing and we, we can show off when we do things, but it's got to come from the heart. It's got to come from that overflow because God's changed our lives. So be a doer, and not just to hear. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you.
Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you allowed your son to come die for us. That you gave his life that we might have life. Father, I just pray that as we walk away from here, Father, that, that we won't walk away from here unchanged. Father, as we've heard your word today, Father, I pray that our actions will follow. Father, you're calling us to study. You're calling us to prepare. And you're calling us to serve. Father, just give us the, the remembrance as we go through each day, Father, that you're there. That you have words for us. And give us the strength and the wisdom to honor you and obey you. Father, we praise you and we love you. You have a name. Amen. Okay, if you will stand, we're going to turn to page 602.